Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay. They just preach. All right. I'm going to, this is bothering me and I don't know why. Um, I'm going to pray real quick because um, it's been an interesting week and I'm a little terrified. Um, so, uh, Father God, I just present my mind and my heart and my mouth to you and just ask Holy Spirit that you would speak through me, that I would not edit you, and that I would not get in your way. In your name, amen. Okay, so, hi church. I love you guys. Uh, you still have to love me after I'm done. Uh, it's the rule. <laughs> no, but I'm in the Bible study on Wednesday nights, and we've been going through Hebrews that's at about the pace of Pastor Sean. Um, or maybe it might be at Pastor Dave pace. Like, it's really slow. We have finally made it to chapter 10, and we've been at this since last August. Um, but in chapter 10, that's kind of where I'm going to focus. It may be in Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. Okay, and I'm going to just go ahead and read that. Uh, I'm going to read it in the NIV first, and I'm going to change versions on you in the middle. Um, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Um, so just let's back up. And Hebrews was written, we don't know by whom, right? But it was written to a bunch of Jewish Christians in the early church. And most, if not all of them, had experienced hardship in their faith. The ridicule, mistreatment, and abuse of these Jews had caused them and was tempting them to return back to an easier, more socially accepted religion. The writer of Hebrews spends the first like nine chapters walking you through. It's phenomenal. Everything from, <clears throat> let, me, let me just read this, establishing uh, evidence for their faith from Jesus' superior to the angels to how his humanity made him the perfect candidate to be our Messiah and the great high priest. How the new covenant is superior to the old covenant of the animal sacrifices. And it doesn't actually erase it, it actually fulfills it. He spends a whole lot of time confirming the certainty of God's promise of salvation. Explaining how the sacrifice of Christ could happen once, for all, for all time. It's beautiful. And you should read it. So when he reaches this point in chapter 10, where he's like, so don't throw away your confidence. He's like, I just gave it to you. Like all nine chapters of your confidence, I just gave it to you. And now don't throw that away, right? So if you need to know what that confidence is referencing, you should go back, read the first nine chapters, all right? But the Jewish Christians in this time have grown weary of the fight. They've grown tired. They've, they're tired of being outsiders. They're tired of being picked on, and they're tired of being persecuted. 
Does that sound familiar to any of you? <laughs> Anybody tired? Okay. The writer takes these verses to encourage them to look back. Look at that first verse. It says, remember the earlier days. He's in telling them to look back at their prior victories and where they were able to hold fast in the, in the past and use that as fuel to be able to hold on now. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to actually read this in the New Living Translation because it gives it a little more detail. Think back on those earlier days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. I don't know what you guys have been through personally and in your personal lives in the last few years. What trials, harsh circumstances have been sent your way or what's been sent to your family and your friends and you've been asked to walk side by side with them through it. But I can tell you that I know what the church body at this place has been through. And I kind of want to go back and remember for just a minute. I'm not going to go back forever because that would take a long time. I figured the easy plot, spot to start was with Pastor Dave's death. Um, if you don't know, Pastor Dave was the pastor here six years ago. Um, he preached Sunday morning and had an aneurysm in the afternoon and was gone. Uh, Pastor Dave was also my father. Uh, and that began a series of events that have happened for the last six years that we as a body have had to walk through. Um, everything uh, shortly after my dad, actually, we lost a young mom and, and wife in Stacy Mannion. Dr. Rich Brown, thank you, sir, transitioned us and carried us through our grief and walked us through that. And then we had to transition to Pastor Sean. And just as he came in, a whole bunch of people in our community started coming down with physical ailments from cancer to chronic diagnoses. Then right after that, the car fire, you're welcome. <laughs> the car fire plopped itself right in our laps. And we had to navigate that, sifting through each other's ashes, helping each other walk through that. And all the while, while this is going on, we were fundraising and supporting those kiddos to send them to life 2019. Yeah, I've only made it three years. Uh, it didn't take long before COVID began. And then our youth group had to transition um, from me to Xavier into a new leadership. And shortly after that, the death of Nancy Leopard, um, who was our children's director and my mother. Um, and that children's director's spot is still kind of vacant to this day. Um, as we continue to struggle with COVID and finances and in the midst of an inflation period, we still managed to send another group of kids <laughs> to life 2022. Um, and this summer, 
our church was burgled. <laughs> Cheerful endurance, people. Hallelujah! <laughs> Uh, and everything just kind of got taken in a place where it felt like we're already down. More was taken. I don't know if you felt like that recently. I certainly have. And in only a few weeks, we get to try another one. We get to try uh, sending Pastor Bob off uh, to Nevada. Um, so I don't know if you feel weary. It's been a hard six years. And it only seems like it's accelerating. But if I'm looking at these verses right, it tells us to look back. And it tells us to, to, to look at it. Sometimes I think we avoid looking back because we think we'll get overwhelmed by, by looking at it. But it's okay to look back as long as we're looking back through the lens of God's faithfulness. Through the lens of truth through the lens of being able to look back and say, what? All of that truly happened? All of that happened. And we're standing here today as a body, yes. together, Amen. because God carried us through, yes. because he is faithful. Yes, he is. And he is faithful to carry us through each one of those things, and he will carry us through whatever is coming next. We look back to take strength from what God has already done in our lives and to help us move forward. So I wanted to share just a couple of things and then I have a really fun dream that God gave me that I get to share with you. Um, but I did look at, um, we looked up some of those words for patient endurance and patient endurance, and I'm looking in verse 36, okay? Patient endurance should actually be translated cheerful endurance. Okay, so Aaron and I were joking about this this morning. Yes, awesome. When the, the whole thing wasn't working again. And we were like, yes, like this is, I don't, it's a little sarcastic, but hey, uh, this word endurance, I love it. It's made from two root Greek words, hupo, meno, meno, something like that. Okay, and hupo means under and meno means to stay, to remain or abide. So it literally means abide under. The root idea of hupomone is that, the, is that of remaining under a discipline, subjecting oneself to something which demands the acquiescence of the will to something against which we would naturally rebel. It portrays a picture of steadfastly and unflinchingly bearing up under a heavy load and describes that quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. The picture is that of constancy and endurance with a forward look and the ability to focus on what is beyond our current pressures. The writer will go on to set before us the perfect example of endurance, our Lord Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured Hupomone, the cross, despising its shame. So, hupomone does not describe a grim resignation or a passive grin and bear it attitude, but a triumphant facing of difficult circumstances, knowing that out of evil, God guarantees good. So, and then the word receive in there, komeo, 
It means to receive back, to recover, or to receive back what is one's own. So in that last part where it says, patient endurance is what you need now. A willingness to come under what is going on, to continue doing God's will, and then we will get back what has already been promised to us, what is already ours, the rewards. So that's my little encouragement. And uh, I hope that we as a church can look back and to do these things. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, um, I had a dream. And it wasn't like a dream, a Becky dream because those are just weird and I can't ever track them. This was actually a God dream. And if you haven't had one of those, um, you will know if you ever have one. You will, you will know. There's no question. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, so Emily and I w arrived at, I don't know why it was Emily, uh, arrived at this place in a school bus, nonetheless. And we got out. It was dark. And it was cold. And you know how everything kind of hits you all at once? You kind of take in everything with your senses. And I'm hearing this barking noise going on kind of over the hill. And there's snow on the ground. It's cold. And we get out. And we're walking along. And we're like, okay. And I can hear these barking, howling, I can't tell what they are, animals. And they're running to here. And then you hear somebody fighting it and then they run over here and then you hear somebody else fighting it and I can hear it going on everywhere and I'm like this is just weird but okay I should probably figure out what's going on here um, but we hike down the familiar trailer trail and we end up in a cove and I'm like okay well th apparently this is where I was supposed to be and then I recognize my surroundings because I can see that it looks kind of like the edge of the lakes around here where you have like the little peninsula that goes out and then there's a cove and a peninsula and a cove, like right how the edge of the lake goes. And, and so the, the peninsulas are not big, right? 10, 15 feet across, and then you're in another cove. And I can see that there's people in all of the coves. And they're, they're talking to each other and they're yelling at each other from the coves. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I hear the dogs start coming, so we hide behind a tree. And I'm like, I gotta figure out what this is. So, and three, just powerful, wolf-like dogs with wolf-like characteristics go running past me in this frenzy. And we're like, oh, okay, they left tracks, right? It's cold. So ice, snow, I can see where they went. So they left tracks and I'm like, okay, all right, we're gonna go follow them. And I step out to go follow them and suddenly this thing comes running by me. And it was a really, really big wolf. And I was like, Oh, and he didn't go running by me and ignore me. He went running by me and skidded to a stop on the ice and turned and glared at me. And I was a little frightened. Um, he was menacing and was snarling at me and had a lot of hatred in his eyes. Um, so I reached for my gun which I couldn't find, <laughs> and I could feel it, and I was like, where is that? And then I glanced down, and not only is my gun a little out of my reach, my gun is not loaded. And I was like, what is happening? And I was like, so I look up at the wolf, and I go, oh, I can't do anything. It can pounce. And it's looking at me, snarling hateful, and it takes in the whole image, and it turns, and it runs away. 
And I was like, ooh. So I was like, okay, we gotta get going. So we followed the tracks. And we followed the tracks and we ended up at this house. And man, as soon as I got in the house, felt safe. It was great. But the house was really cool. It was like surrounded by uh, windows. Like the whole outside of this thing was windows. And so we could see out, everything can see in. And um, inside the house, there's a bunch of people and they all have their shotguns and they're loaded. And, um, but they're all kind of looking out the back, looking out the back windows and they're walking around and they're looking at everything. And I'm like, what is going on? So I go looking and I see that the dogs are in the back and the dogs are attacking this cage. And the cage is pretty secure, um, and, and the, but inside the cage are some rabbits, and the dogs are just going after them, and they are snarling and scaring the rabbits. And I'm like, okay, but I only see the three dogs. So I walk away from there because I'm scanning, trying to find, where's the wolf? The wolf is the problem. So I'm looking, 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 and then finally I see him, and he's out on the edge of the forest, right on the edge of the forest, and he's sitting there in the dark where no one else can see him, but he's watching everything. And I tuned back in. I was watching him, but I could hear what was going on in the building. And, and there was someone who was like, we got to go kill the dog. We got to kill the dogs. And then someone else was like, ah, oh, stop. If you just shoot a gun, it's not going to work, right? They're having this discussion about what they need to be doing about the dogs. Um, and I'm looking, and I'm watching the wolf. And the wolf is just sitting there, arrogantly watching everything that is going on. Um, and I realize that he's paying attention because... He's sent the dogs, but he doesn't actually care about the dogs. What he cares about is he's watching the people in the building, and he wants to know what they're going to do. And, and so I'm, as I watch and I'm listening to them discussing and everything else, I see that the wolf is arrogant until the moment when the people start talking to each other. And when the people started talking to each other and started turning in, and looking at each other, the wolf took off. And then I woke up, because he took off because he needed to go find a new strategy. Um, but then I woke up. The first thing I did was I practically flew out of my bed and ran to my couch, grabbed my journal and my Bible and everything else, because I knew that the first part of that dream was a warning to me. I have spent my summer not spending very much time in scripture, not praying very much, not doing the things, the disciplines that keep our weapons, right, which is the word of God, in my head and at my ready. And I was scared. <laughs> so I got up, I went out to the, my living room, I found Ephesians 6, and I started putting on my armor. Like, I was like, here's my helmet of truth, here's my, all of these things, right? And I was like, okay, all right. And I started to pray. And I started to ask God about this dream. What in the world could this possibly mean? Um, and I gotta get a drink. Hang on. I, I do want to share one little thing though, really quick, because it's clearly an indictment on me. Like I didn't have my gun and everything else. So the first thing that I did was I started like, oh my gosh, please forgive me for 
you know, just for not being prepared, not being there and everything else. And then he brought back the image of, of when the wolf was looking at me, but he wasn't allowed to pounce. And I realized in that moment that he was telling me, hey, guess what? You haven't done anything. You have wandered. And yet I protected you. And yet I told the wolf it couldn't touch you. There's nothing that I can do. I always try to earn, right? If I do this, God will do this. And then I can earn this. And then I deserve this protection. Or I deserve this love. Or I deserve this, all of the things that he gives us. And it was just one more reminder of the God we serve. That he gives it to us whether we deserve it or not. And his protection was not lifted from me just because I wandered. All right. So um, I do think that the people in the house, y'all, was us. I think that that was Christians because we have the weapons that we need. We have what we need to take care of what is going on. Um, But we don't know what we're supposed to do. There was kind of some confusion. How do we go about this? What are we supposed to be doing with our weapons? We aren't even sure if we're supposed to shoot the dogs. Okay, and I don't know either. Um, I don't know very much, but I knew, I do know this much. The dogs and everything that was going out there are a distraction. It is a distraction from what we are supposed to be focusing on. And we have succumbed to the distraction. And as long as we continue to keep our focus out there, the enemy has won. That breaks my heart. So it seems to me that we need to gather together. We need to turn our focus from out there to in. We need to unify and come together. We can still acknowledge the chaos. Like I'm not saying that we're going to be, what is that? What's the one that, the ostrich? It doesn't actually bury its head in the ground, just so you guys know. But anyhow, um, but it buries its head in the ground and pretend that nothing's going on out there. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not letting those things become a distraction that keeps us from Christ that keeps us from remembering what unifies us. We all know what divides us. So what is it that unifies us? What is it that pulls us together? Christ. Christ alone. (laughs) Okay, so I keep, the word unity just kept coming up. So of course I Googled it. And and then John Piper has this great, I I just have to read this quote because it's amazing. Unity among two or more people gets its virtue entirely from something else. Unity itself is neutral until it is given goodness or badness by something else. So if Herod and Pilate are unified in their common scorn for Jesus, this is not good unity. But if Paul and Silas sing together in prison for Christ's sake, this is good unity. Therefore, it's never enough to call Christians to have unity. That, must, that may be good or bad. 
the unified vote 50 years ago in my home church in South Carolina to forbid blacks from attending services was not a good unity. The unified vote of mainland Protestant denomination to bless forbidden sexual acts is not a good unity. We need to unify not around our shared political beliefs, not around, not even around the solution to the dogs, but around Christ. Christ crucified. Christ risen from the dead. All of our sins forgiven and each one of us equal at the foot of the cross. This is what unifies us. And you know what Christ calls us to? As much as he has forgiven me, I am to forgive everyone. We are the visible reflection to this world of Christ's love. We are. This is what they see. They are going to see us. So if they see us biting each other, gossiping about each other, discontent, angry, wondering why so-and-so isn't doing this and -and so-and-so isn't doing that, or shooting at the dogs and attacking the rabbits, we're no different than the dogs that they're scared of already. We're just a different kind of dog. If, however, they look at our church and they see people who are crazy different from each other, people who have offended each other repeatedly and still gather under the same roof, showing genuine love, that means affection. I'm not faking it. I genuinely love you. Masked, unmasked, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, young, old, all of it under the same roof, united around Christ, that they will take notice of. Church, I think it's time. I think this dream was a warning to me, and I'm sharing it with you. It's time for us to shed all of those things that we once thought were super important. It's time to let them go. The time is now to refocus on Christ and Christ alone, to gather together and figure out how we're supposed to be using those weapons to be the light of the world. I don't actually know what that means. And I think that the reason that God was like, I'm not telling you, is because I think it's individual. It's going to mean something different for each one of us. And that's why we have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. What is the Spirit telling you right now? And please don't forget it when you look to your left or your right or you walk out in that foyer and see somebody that's offended you. Write it down. Church, we're headed into another transition. And we have a choice to make. How will we respond? Will we pitch a fit? Become negative? Begin biting at each other? Act like victims? 
Oh, we gotta go through something again. Oh, it always happens to us. Right? Or are we gonna grab a hold of the endurance that Jesus offers? The endurance that God has already given us and we just need to grab hold of it once more. Are we going to cheerfully endure? Yes! We get a chance to go through yet another thing. Um, these are the questions that I've been asking myself after that dream. Um, we're going to have a shift into a season of low, low leadership. Right? And what does that mean? What does it look like? Are we going to unify even around keeping this place running? <laughs> I, I was laughing because I was like, okay, I keep seeing the bathrooms, right? Because the bathrooms bother me. Now, I don't know if it bothers you, but when bathrooms are dirty, it immensely bothers me. And so I was seeing the bathrooms and I was like, no, you can't call me to go clean those bathrooms each week. Mm-mm. That is not how we're doing this, right? And I'm like, ah. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I think that's what's going to happen. I think I'm going to have to, you know, Bob leaves and I'm going to volunteer to come in every Saturday and clean the bathrooms because the bathrooms bother me, all right? It's going to be the little things that we're going to have to do and then it's going to be the big things. But every one of us is going to have to step up. And I think it's really cool because... I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know what? The body of Christ was never meant to be handled by a handful of pastors and then passed down and out. That's not the design of the body of Christ. The design of the body of Christ is each one of us with our own individual pieces of things that we offer all put together functioning like one body. That's the body of Christ. And now we've been given an opportunity to do it. For each one of us to look around and say, hey, you know what? I could do that, or I could do that. I could lead Sunday school once a month. I could clean the kitchen. I could preach. I could give Lara a break by being a worship leader sometimes. I could give Pastor Sean a break by preaching sometimes. I could spread the load because I've been given gifts that were meant to be shared with the whole body. Guys, this isn't another, oh no, we're hit again. <laughs> like, let's go cry in a, I don't know, a hole over here and let the enemy win. This is an opportunity for us to actually live out in the modern day what it is to be a body. What it is to unify around Christ. What does that look like when Christ is in the center and that is the only thing that we are focused on? And how do we function together to bring glory and honor to him? Church, I think we have to get rid of our distractions. And for some of us, that's going to be harder than others. We like them because they distract us. But we're going to have to get rid of it. We're going to have to come back to just Christ and Christ alone and what unifies us.
So I have, I have a closing prayer. I don't even think they, you guys, this is the first time I've ever spoken and been under time. <laughs> ever. I know. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I don't even know where the worship team is. Are they, I know. I got Aaron right here. Aaron, okay. All right. You guys come up. <laughs> Woo. Breathing deeply. Um, I do. I want to read this. I do have a closing prayer. Um, one more time. Think back on all the things that you have been through, Trinity. Remember how you remained faithful, no matter what it meant. And remember how God remained faithful to you through all of it. You suffered along with those who suffered because you knew you had better things in store for you that would not perish and would not fade. We can let go of the things of this world because of what we know. So don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Patient endurance, cheerful endurance is what you need now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you guys can, well, sit down. <laughs> I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull a Dave Leopard. <laughs> I have one more point. <laughs> um, so when I was praying for, for all of us who were going to be here today, um, this week, I was really struck by, by two things. Um, and, and that's why I started with Hebrews because God kept telling me, remember, there's weary people in that church and there's weary people who are going to hear this. <clears throat> and, and so as I, I think about like this call to action and this call to, to unify, I thought, I, I was praying and God said, some of you are right where you need to be. But you are growing weary. I believe that God's message today is I see you. I hear you. I know you. And I love you. I know your anguish and I know your pain. I love you. What you need right now is patient endurance. And I've already given it to you. Lean in. Trust me. Abide with me under the load. And I will give you rest. I love you. Some of us have lost our way. And we've gotten distracted by the dogs. And have even become dogs ourselves. Honestly, we need a swift kick in the pants to be reminded of what Christ taught us when he was here. It was never about the Roman rulers. It was never about the government. He came to seek and save the lost. In John 3, 17, 
God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When God sent his son into the world, even his mission was not to condemn the world, but to save it. It's time for us to relinquish our hold on all of these things, to repent, and to return to our first love. So I'm going to pray for us. Are you going to have that? <laughs> Father, we thank you for even your reprimands. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you always give what we need. So we ask your Holy Spirit to speak to each one. And as we leave this room, Lord, we will be both encouraged to spurred on and reprimanded. That we would go home and be honest about where we are, what we've been doing, and how we can get our focus back directly on you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for us to unite as a church around you. And I pray that we would follow through, that you would give us strength, courage, and cheerful endurance. In your name, amen.